Welcome to the Relationship as Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Lee, outdoor adventure enthusiast, dog mom to Luna, world traveler, longtime meditator, espresso lover, and a trained somatic psychotherapist, trauma specialist, and certified coach. Talking about trauma doesn't have to be so daunting. From a connected place, we can navigate anything together. Looking forward to exploring with you today. Here we go. All right. Are we ready? Ready to go. I am so excited to introduce y'all to Stephen Terrell. You're the reason why I say y'all these days, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, y'all doing real well with it. Okay, good. Well, let me introduce you once again. You've already been on the podcast before. It was our most listened to podcast. Wow. Um, Yeah. Stephen Terrell, PsyDSEP, is a leading expert in the field of developmental trauma and adoption, and he is recognized around the world for his work in developmental trauma and healing. He understands developmental trauma from the inside out and the outside in. He has performed more than 25,000 individual transforming touch sessions and taught thousands of students from around the world in the art of transforming touch as it relates to healing developmental trauma. You have also been my teacher and mentor for since pre-pandemic times, since 2019, I guess, and completely changed my life and my nervous system. And Mm. it is just such an honor to have you back. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be back. Wonderful to be here with you, Shelby. Yay. Uh, Do you want to let folks know where you are and how you are today? Well, I am absolutely coming. We're on the backside of a pretty severe storm went through about 10 minutes ago. Before I came online, I was going, oh, we're going to lose power. Big lightning, big thunder, which is that time of year in Texas. I'm right outside of Austin in Pflugerville. And uh, it rained all day yesterday in storms. And we've been doing it this afternoon. And we probably will all the way through the rest of June. So it's it's a green time of year and a wet time of year here. All right. I think last time we talked, it was flooding or something crazy. Yeah, yeah. It does that real easy here because we don't, you know, we don't have anywhere for the water to go. So it's going to have to flood. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, we just got out of yesterday a three-day transforming experienced brain training you were teaching I was attending yes and so I love getting to have this conversation on the heels of that because I feel like the work is very present Mm. and it's here it's right here with us yeah yeah that was yesterday it feels like it was the day before yesterday but yeah it was yesterday it's still resonating and ringing like a bell that little chime is still still moving through yeah I was telling Stephen y'all before we hit record that this work heals COVID (laughs) (laughs) I was 
deathly ill on Friday and like very, 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 very sick. Uh, it really did feel like a part of me was dying at least. And Sunday came around and I actually went for a bike ride after our last session. And I mean, I don't even know how that happened. How did that happen, Stephen? I, I, I think that I think the best part about the work is what I call the mystery. And I oftentimes will bring up the mystery of, you know, the three most powerful words that we can say to one another is, I don't know. And being able to understand the mystery that things occur that we don't imagine occurring out of nowhere. It'll just kind of move in and these things happen. So, yeah, I'm glad you got better. And riding a bike, I cannot believe when I saw you on Friday that on Sunday you rode a bicycle. That's For an hour. Funny. That's y'all got out there and rode a bicycle. I don't know how. I don't know how <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I did it. I'm very, I feel tr totally transformed and I hate that word. So <laughs> <laughs> it's your new tattoo. I'm going to have it done on your forehead. Great. <laughs> well, I have this question and I get asked this all the time and I, um, looking through social media all the time and everybody is talking about nervous system regulation work all of a sudden, which is double-edged. It's great. Oh. A lot. I mean, my feed, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think we have a lot of different ideas around what nervous system regulation work is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love to hear from you what actually is nervous system regulation work. Well, you know, I feel like there should be some drums, but the answer is, you know, I, I think because I find it fascinating that there's a lot of people talking about nervous system regulation, uh, because I've been talking about it for years. And, you know, the, the, your nervous system is like the command center of your whole body, of your whole origin, of your whole core of your whole self. And this huge command center, it's controlling your movement, your thoughts, your automatic response, your emotions to the world around you, to the world not around you, but mostly to the world around you is what it's reacting to. And so it controls all of these body systems, all of these processes are, and the nervous system is huge. And so it's coming in and it's saying, all right, this is what all needs to be happening because it's going to be affecting your thoughts. It affects your memories. It affects how you're moving about. It affects your sleep. It affects whether you're healing, whether you're aging, whether you're overaging too fast, your heartbeat, your breath, um, responses to uh, triggers, when something comes and an old memory pops in or something happens to remind us of an unpleasant moment in our life, um, it even manages us through puberty. It gets us through. All of those things are coming through from this really super complex system called the nervous system. So it's, it's much bigger and it's responsible. I, I sometimes think about the nervous system and I think about the person on the high wire and they're swinging on the trapeze bar and they're way up high in the air. And this nervous system is like the nets, the series of nets that's underneath. 
and they kind of catch us, you know, they kind of keep us from the fall. And when they're working properly and they're doing their job, it's the most magnificent thing in the world, you know, is when we have this healthy thing going because neurons are firing and they're sending these messages and it says, okay, there's pain, there's not pain, you know, your eyes, your ears, your tongue, your nose, your nerves, all over your body is getting information from the environment that you're in. So that's a big part is just the environment, but all of these triggers coming in are affecting it too. So it's like being caught in a rainstorm. All those raindrops are hitting you at once. You go, doesn't matter which one's hitting you the fastest or the hardest. It's just so many of them. You don't know which one's hitting you anymore. And, you know, so the nervous system itself, when we're looking at it, it's it's made up into these two parts. Uh, you know, we have this central nervous system. It's called a central nervous system. Your brain, your spinal cord back here in the back, all of that makes up the central nervous system. So it's coming in. And it's sending these messages and receiving these messages from our organs, our whole body, everywhere, muscles, joints, fascia, everything. And then our peripheral nervous system um, are the many nerves that are branching off and the peripheral goes into our arms, our legs, and everywhere else, our fingers and our toes, so to speak. That's why when we're born, everybody counts your fingers. It's a good thing because we need it for our peripheral nervous system. And part of the peripheral is a somatic nervous system, which is telling us pretty much what we're feeling, voluntary movements, you know, involuntary and voluntary. But it's, somatic really is raise my hand. There's my hand went up. That's a somatic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system, which is huge for our work, is which controls the things that we don't even think about. Breathing, pulse rate, heart, all those things that keep us alive. That you know, if we had to think about them, we'd have to stay up all night, Shelby. We'd have to be up all night remembering to breathe. And that just wouldn't work. And remembering, you know, beat heart, beat heart, beat heart, beat heart doesn't work. So that central nervous system really comes around and, and see it as sleep, see it as thoughts, see it as memory. Big one, holds those memories, emotions, feelings. So what I mean when I say that we have um, this way of working, that we're focusing on the nervous system or a regulation, we're talking about allowing space and supporting a system that's already functioning. And we're supporting that system um, into higher regulation into being able to expand itself a bit, have a bit more room. Um, and we see the results, we see it in our digestion systems. You know, our, our immune systems will start perking up. Um, our relationships start getting better. Our ability to learn increases. And so there's lots of things that are going on all around us from this nervous system thing uh, that's much bigger. And so the regulation is coming in just to support all of these systems that are already in place. I've been there since the beginning. None of them just arrived on the scene. They've been there all along, all along. And, you know, they, 
they turn against us. That's what we see in developmental trauma is that our systems no longer protect us. They start turning autoimmune or they start attacking our heart, blood pressure, or they start to do these um, diabetes or cancer or we get into more accidental in, in, in injuries. We, we're, we're more prone to fall off that bicycle because of balance. And, you know, it's just so much pressure and so many things happening. So the approach, a regulation-based approach, like the one I'm speaking of, I'm using for transforming touch, is really about no pathology no symptomology, no fixing, no big magnificent cures coming through. It's about coming in and taking someone, your nervous system or my nervous system and supporting it into more optimal health, even though it believes it's already in optimal health. That's the big, mystery why does the body decide that a place that isn't healthy is healthy is beyond me except they've tried everything else to keep us safe the system has and so it creates these places and uh yeah we don't know what's underneath it's like layers and layers of trauma can come in and affect it and you know if it's like a horse can carry one backpack into the you know, into the woods with you. But if the horse has to carry 50 backpacks, the horse gets tired pretty quick and you may not ever make it to the other side of the forest. And that's about the nervous system, being able to unpack and really to be able to just support it. Let me come in and support. And so that's what I think about when I think about nervous system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, this feels just deeply foundational <laughs> to how we heal and how we live. I, when you're talking about the trapeze, I think about being dynamic. And when the nervous system is supported, we're able to be dynamic. We're able to live as fully expressed humans. And I think I think some people understand or misunderstand that nervous system regulation means it just puts us in this calm state all the time, but mm-hmm. it actually gives us the ability to live more fully in all of the states that yep. we can experience as human beings. Would you say so? Oh, I would say without a doubt. I would say that's a perfect description of it. Yeah, And it's not always going to be Zen moments. I mean, we're going to rock and roll. Our nervous system will rock us and roll us because it, it, it's the great concealer of trauma it conceals and protects it's the it's that you know we know that the worst thing in trauma is secrets mm. we know that you know that i know that secrets just they they just eat us and yet here we have this huge system that's a concealer keeps the secrets So in the healing, when you start to um, flex, this flex awareness, I guess, kind of comes about, sometimes there's pain. 
And sometimes I have to remember that pain. Maybe I have to do something and maybe nothing but remember it. And usually that's about what it takes and to be able to move on through it, to move on through to the other side. Helps weather the storms a little easier. Yeah, I agree. One of the things I love about having made the transition from working uh, mostly using my sensory motor trauma therapy background and all of the various somatic psychotherapy things into this orientation, just supporting the nervous system like that simply is that it makes my life much easier as a practitioner it makes sessions so much more spacious, but also I don't have to fix. Like you said, I'm not sitting here spinning my wheels, sitting with clients going, looking at the symptoms and trying to figure out where we need to go. There's no agenda. It's just presence and the genuine art of being with. And I'm thinking about a client who I have changing some details, but who came in just exasperated with his substance abuse and wanted to stop. And his doctor's telling him to stop. You need to stop or I won't see you. And my first response was, please keep using those substances (laughs) as a nervous system practitioner, because what I know is that the more we support (laughs) that nervous system, the substance use is going to change on its own. If I try to make them do it or we muscle it or fix it or pathologize them, what an exhausting journey and so many things they might have to feel that I wouldn't want to put them through. But when we support the nervous system, they'll naturally shift towards wholeness and health and well-being so much more gently. Is that your experience? Oh, yeah. I think that. I get that question a lot. Would you see someone who was drunk? Would you see someone that was high? Would you see someone, you know, actively in their disease? Of course. Of course I would. Why wouldn't I? And I'm always shocked. You know, the the dissociation. Would you see someone who dissociates? Don't you need to pull them back into reality to get anywhere? No. Let them go. Let them go and be there when they get back. That's, you know, proximity maintenance. Go away, come back. I'm still here. You know, that's part of our healing. We dissociate as our most organic way of finding safety. Why would we? And so someone has a drug addiction and I try to take away this addiction. Well, the way it works, and this I'm probably going to get blowback on, but I will say that people that switch their addiction to the 12-step program, do pretty well. They can, they'll do, they can kind of figure that out sometimes. So they kind of switch addictions. But that's what happens is when you see these defensive accommodations, the behaviors that drive everybody nuts, we see all those behaviors and we try to take them away. They're replaced by another behavior. They don't miraculously heal unless the nervous system expands and the person has more culpability, uh, more awareness, more agency. And once the culpability comes in and they go, oh, I now when I do that, it's too much. 
So maybe I need to cut it back a little. Maybe I'll just change this behavior a little bit. And people begin to come off of a lot of very difficult um, lifestyles begin to change. We are dependent upon safety. Yeah. And safety, you know, whoever, I never learned. Did you learn in grad school that safety meant drinking? Never. never. I, I didn't get that message or that no. safety meant drugs. No, I thought those were just party people. But right. Oh, no, they were finding their own safety. And we can't just rip it away and think that they can change. No, nobody changes that way. No one. We change in, in microbytes, little movements, little bitty bits and pieces along the way. We get more understanding. Yeah. And as we understand ourselves more, we can understand others more. Mm -hmm. Much. I used to hate the concept that this was going to be a slow process, but now that I've been in it for 30 years, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to be so attuned to, oh, wow, I'm just naturally waking up a half hour earlier or an hour. I'm looking forward to the day just a little bit more. Oh, I fit, a, I fit another walk in, you know, just these subtle little changes, but that just lights me up. You know, it brings so much joy of this. Something is actually working. Yeah. It's so amazing when you just like send me a, a picture of something that you're, you're in the snow and it's midnight and you're snow walking, whatever you call it, you're going through the snow and I'm like, oh my goodness, that is amazing. Your life is, it, it's so cool. Those parts. I, I realized last week when I was in absolute hell, well, I guess it was two, two and a half weeks ago with COVID and going through this medical treatment and I took myself somewhere beautiful. That's been just what I do. And I realized the name of my book is going to be called maybe at least it was beautiful there because I can be in the depths of suffering. But when I, I will, I naturally now resource myself, even if I can't do anything else, I will just take myself into nature Um and it's kind of been a pattern that's been created. And it, it's, it's awesome. Well, somewhere you got the message, didn't you, that uh, this relationship was safe, mm -hmm. called nature. And nature, you developed a relationship with nature that bypassed some unhealthy relationships, probably, that we both have had in our lives. And nature doesn't stand you up. It's pretty <laughs> consistent. You know, it shows up. It holds us. It rocks us. We can breathe through it. Yeah. And that's an exciting place. I like that. At least it was beautiful. Yeah. I'm either going to call it that or nobody can steal this um reckless optimism reckless optimism i like that i, <laughs> I think most optimism is reckless but yeah <laughs> i think that's a good place yes yeah. yeah yeah well okay so what i'd love to hear is what's the difference between working directly with a trained like for example 
uh, transforming experience brained practitioner. What else do you call it? Transforming touch, transforming presence versus doing things like a guided practice you can do at home where you jump in a cold plunge or you listen to a nervous system regulation type meditation. How do we break that down? Oh, well, first you had to go and bring a cold plunge. <laughs> had to go there. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've just been reading a book. Um, Winter Swimming. Excellent book. Mm. Excellent book. But uh, how do I what? What's the question? What's the difference between what we do where we're working in real time, either online or in person, right? or somebody just doing all of these guided practices? Like a lot of people are marketing. These practices will regulate your nervous system. Oh, but now they're I more see. singular and solo. Yes. yes, yes, yes. I'm catching up. I'm a little slow. It's a long way between Oregon and Texas. So it takes a while before it hits. Um, First of all, we're touching in. There's a big difference. It's the relationship. The relationship. Relationships, the combination to the safe that's been locked our entire life. A relationship comes in. If I tell you, you know, Shelby, if you listen to this recording every day, you're going to be great. You'll be dancing in the streets. You might, but you would still have the same trauma. Mm. You're just masking the trauma. And the only way to heal that early trauma is to realize that baby has already been by the baby's self. The baby's already been alone. The baby's experienced that. It didn't go so well. Or they wouldn't be in our office. The baby does not have to ever be alone to heal anymore. I am now going to come in and build a relationship with my clients of trust, consistency, repairing the somatic um, injury, the somatic trust, coming in and being there and willing to listen without judgment, not having the answers, and be with the baby. And I don't know any self-help program that you're going to do on your own that can replace relationships. And if we imagine that attachment and early, early complex developmental trauma can be repaired without relationship, AIs, A1s, whatever they call those things come and none of those are going to repair relationship. Only thing that repairs relationship is compassion and empathy from another human being who we trust. Takes a while sometimes to get to that trust, but we have to have some trust involved. So um, I think that listening to a recording is wonderful if you're doing that a couple times a week, yet you're still meeting with your, your practitioner and you're still building the relationship 
And that can be an adjunct, but never a primary treatment, never a primary treatment without relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Relationship is medicine. Oh, by far. A healthy relationship is tons of medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Someday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right today. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Right today. Yeah, it's here. Yeah. What's the difference? Well, I'm curious because you teach people who work in person and online. And I know there are people listening right now that are going, I want to, I want to experience this. What's right for me. First of all, like what are the simple symptoms of complex and developmental trauma? And um, why would someone work online or in person? What would be the difference? Well, I would like to think that the word practicality, you know, we can't all fly into one place. We can't do that. You know, there are retreats coming up that would be wonderful for those kind of events. But the majority of us, we don't have those opportunities. So because, you know, we have, we're kind of a grassroots healing community of these folks, and they're spotted all around the world. Or, you know, there's here and there, and they can't get to all the places. So we have this huge group of people who have learned the work online and are working with folks online. That's the way they do. Um, building relationships through Zoom. Um, it doesn't have the physical touch. And for some, that's a good thing. For some, you know, that's kind of a softer landing for them. Others really miss the physical touch. And they'll tell you, I really miss being in person. Oh yeah, I do too. But we learned in the pandemic that either or both have an effectiveness. They're both, when, we, when we're able to be with someone and to be able to listen to someone, they're both effective and in different ways. And we still teach people in person. I'm leaving for Ireland in a few days and um, we're all over the place doing that too, but uh, it's right there. Mm -hmm. it's right there it's about realizing even in this situation of being online with each other I can still have empathy and compassion and I can still see your eyes and I can see you know how you're breathing and your skin tone and you know I can tell and in regulation a lot of that comes into play because sometimes we're afraid we don't even know we're afraid we activate, we don't know, we activate. So someone willing to untie the threads. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the important, but it has to be with someone. I, I don't I don't know that we can completely find that place of healing without another person. Yeah. I don't either. That's yeah, part of the mystery. <laughs> well, that was actually my next question. I've often heard you say when someone's like, how does it work, Steve? 
And you just, you say faith. (laughs) And I'd love to hear more about that. I'd love to hear you talk about how it works. And if there is any, you know, science behind it, how do you come up with these enhancements and these interventions and what are they like? That was like 17 questions, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're all, all, okay. Um, How does it work? I don't think any of us are ever meant to know. I don't think it's important for us to know. There are a multitude. If you Google touch and research, you're going to get massive numbers of research. So we know the research is there. There is research that says touch has an effect on someone's life in a positive way. Even if when I get asked, well, what about those who are sexually abused? And I always say those who are the that's who needs it the most. They need to experience good touch and regulated touch and permission touch. And all of that is coming in. So the mystery is what's happening to the best of my knowledge. What's happening is that we're supporting the system in individual places that are affected during sympathetic arousal during the when the sympathetic response system is elevated because of a threat and so we're coming into those systems and supporting them um and how that all transpires i don't think we're supposed to know and if we are i haven't nobody's told me yet It reminds me of Buddhist teachings around direct experience. Mm. And thought of that. I love that though. Yes. Yeah. I know from my direct experience that it's impactful and effective. Yes, I do too. It's changed my life. Doing the work, experiencing the work has changed my life and all of the um, all of the enhancements you know are regulation focused enhancements every enhancement we do an enhancement for those who don't know is that we build a regulation system so first of all you're coming in and you're the bones of the core of the system is there and we're building trust in the system we're building up we don't leap into anything and we don't put you in a box we don't say oh because you have blonde hair and you're from sweden you must have this nervous system we don't do that because we all have our own nervous systems and coming in we begin to build the foundational repair foundation repair 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 and then we do an add-on after a while and that add-on is called an enhancement And all of our enhancements are, of course, nervous system focused. All of them are coming in with regulation focused, nervous system focused. Even when we're doing primitive reflexes, we don't work with them like occupational therapists or physical therapists or other people work with them. We are working with them also from that same regulation focused. If we can get this tweak just a little bit, maybe just maybe the system's going to run easier. 
So it's like we're coming into these old and we're creating, taking these neurons and creating this new set of cul-de-sacs. I call them cul-de-sacs. They're, mm -hmm. you know, neural pathways go to a certain place, but we can build new ones next to it. We really can't repair. We thought we could. And research and later studies are telling us we really can't repair the old one. So build a new one next door. And it doesn't take long and we start going to the new one and figuring that out. And so that's that's what we're doing. Um, this, this came out of duress. It really came out of a very dark moment in my life. Mm -hmm. And I was, I have two sons and that are adopted and I was trying all the conventional interventions and the unconventional interventions for parenting um kids who had experienced, you know, they both came out, both came out of the foster care system, both experienced a lot of abuse and trauma before they ever arrived here. And I was so frustrated because I was just literally on my knees praying, saying, God, what am I supposed to do here? I'm a registered play therapist. I did therapy. I did all of these things. I'm SD trained. I'm all of these. And I'm still not finding the way. Mm. What's wrong with this picture? And it was, it was like a series of downloads, for lack of other words. Like, Instead of doing it this way, do it this way. See what happens. Mm. And my my theory, I got really strict and locked into that belief that you have to do it this certain way. And then I just softened it. And I keep softening it. Keep softening it. And through that process, all of the quirky little enhancements came to be, all of these movements, the relationship, building somatic security, um, supporting a nervous system that's overworked, understanding the cost of an overworked system on us. What we give up to be safe is just amazing. Knowing that my understanding even of suicide is that somebody's cost has gotten so high and it's so narrowed down that they just can't afford. And that's just, you know, that saddens me. But I, I've been there and I understand that place of in life of I'm giving everything I've got and I'm getting nothing in return. Mm. And so from all of those places that I've been in myself is came the work. And then I started putting reason behind it, logic, all of these other parts started coming in. Uh, I think that what I love the most about where I am today is that we're, we're doing a hybrid teaching and I don't teach anymore, all of that stuff. So when we're actually in a training, I'm not lecturing about all of the stuff that people that live in a logical mind want to know. I'm experiencing it and i love the buddhist way of looking at it the experience because that's the way i'm teaching right now is the experience of being in the room yeah. with a group of people whether it's online or where we are and being there to support their healing yeah
Wow. I've never heard that story before and how this came to be so meaningful. Yeah. It, it reminds me of how so many people find us where yeah. they've tried it all. They've tried some somatic experiencing. They've tried talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, DBT, EMDR, you name it, all sorts of medical treatments. They've tried it and something just isn't working. Right. It's the most amazing thing to have those people walk in the door and then just see them sink into 1% of rest for the first time in decades and notice what happens. Yeah. So I think that we, we as clinicians are just the excitement of being witness and it's funny, all the miracles that they've ever talked about on Earth have to be witnessed. So some miracles just take a while. Some miracles are quicker than others. We don't know a timeline, how long it's going to take for someone. But it is miracles. When you see people, that 1% change is huge on an overworked system. Huge. Yeah. What were the two words you were using this weekend? One was difference. Difference and celebrate. And celebrate. Say celebrate. more about that. Well, celebrate the difference. You know, um, healing, you know, what came clearly this weekend, which was funny, is that healing is our willingness to experience difference. Mm. And we should celebrate. We celebrate the difference. So if someone comes to me and they say, you know, after I saw you last week, I was sick to my stomach for three hours or three days or two days, and I couldn't sleep, and I did all these things that, you know, I should go, oh, I'm so sorry. I go, yes, right. Yeah, that's awesome news. Let's celebrate it because healing is anything different than what we're experiencing at this moment. And that's the catch is that it's different. And different may only be this big. Doesn't that be huge? And step into difference. And that, celebrate the difference. Don't pathologize it. Don't go down the road of saying, oh, you're getting worse. You're not. You're just unfolding old, old stuff. The worst has already happened. Yeah. Now we might just have to remember a little bit of it, somatically remember it, mentally remember it. Our bodies are going to struggle with it and move back through it when we have more resource of the other person, that relationship as our resource. Mm, I love that. Mm. Just 1%. 1%. Yeah. So I know we've got a few minutes left and I have one more question okay i have like four i'm looking at them <laughs> i am wondering so most of the people who are listening or a lot of them are wellness practitioners and healers of sorts mm-hmm. and something interesting that people say to me all the time you know i'll be around town grocery shopping whatever and they'll say oh my goodness you your job is a trauma therapist that sounds exhausting. (laughs) And I always answer these days by saying, it's not, it's actually wonderful. And they're always shocked. 
And so a lot of people who find me are people working with trauma who want to feel more regulated and supported themselves and really love this work, not be burnt out. Are there any words of wisdom or care you have for people who are wanting more regulation on board as they're working with folks? Um, for the clinician, give up, give up two words, fix it. Surrender those two words now. Don't wait. Yeah. When I used to think I was responsible for your healing, oh my gosh, I carried a huge, like dragging around blocks behind me. Oh, I worried about this client. I worried about that client. I don't worry about them anymore. <laughs> I'm there if they need me and I'm coming in and I'm supporting them into wellness and I'm not taking your garbage home with me. Your garbage is your garbage, and I'm here to support you, to sort it out with you, to smell it, to dig into it, to hear it, to know it, to sing it, to be it. But it's yours. And how dare me steal one itty-bitty piece of it? It's not my job. As a trauma-informed, caring human being, not my job. My job is to be with you and support you through it, but not to do it for you. Mm -hmm. What an amazing takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. I really felt that in here. Yeah. Makes life so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> it also that. makes our clients' lives easier, by the way. Yes. I, yeah. Who wants anybody poking in their business? I don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember, do you know Janina Fisher? Of course. She was my teacher for sensory motor. And she talked about the day she stopped taking clients' journals home with them every weekend to read and how they immediately started getting better. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I am a big believer in journaling, but it's your journal. Mm -hmm. If you journal, journal away. Yeah. I'm not going to read it. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm either having a deja vu or we talked about this on the last podcast. <laughs> I think so. We might have though, but you could have deja vu. That's for sure. I've had three this week. That's the first ever. So, <laughs> well, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Aww. Well, yeah. how can people find you? What will they find? Can they work with you? Can they learn with you? Well, they can find me in Texas. I mean, if you go to austinattached.com is the website. Uh, they can find me that way. They can find me through coregulatingtouch.com. They can find therapists all around the world through there, coregulatingtouch.com. They can reach out to Heather at austinattached.com, my assistant. Um, but they'll find me. I'm around. I'm very accessible. Yeah, you are. I like that about you. And people can read your book, Nurturing uh, Resilience. Or they can read TEB123. If they have a kiddo, TEB123, like this little book for parents to read to their kids. Great Wonderful. little book. So cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, I am deeply grateful for this conversation. I feel regulated. I feel lit up. I feel on fire with this work and just so grateful for you being willing mm -hmm. to 
share it with us and with the world. Mm, well, you know, I love you. And I always have this warm spot just being with you. So I'm just grateful to been to be here again. I mean, to be a replay is kind of exciting on your podcast. So thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yay. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. I have really special news to share. I've planned a deeply nourishing and luxurious retreat for us in Panama in May of next year. It's called Soulful, a somatic embodiment retreat for healing and wellness providers. If you're here listening, it's for you. I created this retreat out of my own burnout, wanting everyone to get the opportunity to return to their own deepest heart with nervous system regulation work, surfing, gentle yoga, and so much more. Come realign with your soul's compass. Expand your capacity to meet life with more ease and sink into really sweet support. Spots are already filling up. Find the link in the show notes or at shelby-lee.com.